0: My name is Tom Savage. You're listening to The Three Red Kings. Thank you very much for joining me. So we're into the first game of the URC. Feels like it's a long time coming. And I think when you look at how the World Cup ended last week for for Irish rugby, I think it's probably come along at the exact right time. Um, I do get a lot of the, I won't say mourning, it's too much of a fucking word for losing a rugby game, but people have been feeling bad in the aftermath of that game. Um, I'm certainly feeling bad after watching that New Zealand versus Argentina semi-final just now where it just makes it all the worse but I, I think when you look at um, the the build that Monster have been doing it's kind of almost been in the background and getting into URC mode I've kind of been in that mode since um, two weeks ago when uh, I was in Thoman Park for the Barbarians game and that was just... Brilliant! I enjoyed that so much. I was there for both games, got in there nice and early, watched both of them, and um, just being in Tolman Park and seeing the, like the people coming in, seeing the energy there. Um, the, the the both games had you know ups ups and downs. You know, I think the 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 ladies' game was a little bit um one sided. The uh, men's game was very very back and forth, and I think that. It certainly got me back into, you know, season starting pretty soon. And let's not forget, Munster are coming into this season as defending champions. And that's the first time that we can say that in well, oh, well oh, over, over 10 years. And that in itself is a huge thing. And as we start to put a bit of blue water between ourselves and um, the... The loss of, of of that quarter final to New Zealand, I think people will slowly start to get back into provincial rugby because this is the main event. Uh, well, I suppose it's Munster, it's always the main event. But when you look at the the run of games that we have from now until, geez, I think it's actually at the end of January. It is game after game after game, and like I've I've been talking all week getting as much information as I can. If you've been mainly in World Cup mode, that's completely fine. By the way, I won't have a red eye for this. Um, I will be getting that next week. Uh, I find if you use friendlies as a reference point, as I did last year, um, you end up getting a bad read. And... Competitive games are really the only thing that you can use to base your analysis for future games on. I'll be doing that for the Benetton game coming up next week. And there's no better test for Munster than the Hollywood Bets Sharks. Hollywood Bets the Sharks (laughs) coming to Thornman Park with, a, do you know what? A pretty decent squad. They're missing a lot of top guys. A lot of those guys are with the Springboks at the World Cup. We have a lot of top guys who are also at the World Cup or who are on World Cup cooldown. So this is actually a, a going to be a fairly evenly contested game, I would say. Uh, some interesting things going on with uh, John Plumtree with his first selection for the Sharks in a competitive game as well that I, I think are interesting and show a slight change of tack from what we recognised with the Sharks last year. But from a Munster perspective, um, I know everybody talks about, and Dennis Leamy mentioned this in the aftermath of the Barbarians game. Everybody talks about how good their preseason was. <laughs> Nobody comes out of preseason saying, Well, that was shit. <laughs> we fucked that up. Nobody says that. So when you look at um Munster saying that the preseason has gone really, really well they would say that of course but from everything that i hear from the bits of, like from players people who've you know seen some of the sessions you know from you know for both Shannon and Khan um they cuz they they trained with some AIL teams uh, over the summer had some workouts there um and some of the players some of the coaches they've all said that Do you know what a really good preseason um it was a 13 week block which is huge and the main difference between a 13 week block and what was a I think a six week block or very close to it last year. It just it doesn't even bear talking about that of course it is better to have a longer preseason. Now sometimes the shorter preseason can sharpen the minds, but in this instance I think that um with so much had to be had to be onboarded last year so much was changed, and even so much about what the the coaches wanted from the players on field changed. That of course the opening five games were rubbish, really poor. Um, and you know I, I think that's you know Munster's bad start to the season last year. You know that was a big story of the first half of the season, and Munster's the run that we went on, um, and then dipped and then went on that fabulous run that ended up winning the tournament. Um, we don't want to duplicate that. We want to duplicate the end of it where we go on a fabulous run and win the tournament but we want to avoid the bad start. Now, at the same time, we do know that a bad start is not fatal in this tournament but I think we don't want to be having questions of wait, are are they going to qualify for Europe next year Um, in and around um, you know, December. That would be, ideally we would not be in that situation. So, Um, some of the context around the league as we head into this new season. For a start, the Shields are now basically their interprovincial titles or we'd say a South African championship or a Welsh championship or a Scottish-Italian batter championship. It basically means that the points that you score against opposition in the Shield are the only thing that counts towards ranking points in the Shield. That's just now another trophy for you to win. It does not guarantee qualifications for Europe as it did in the past. When the URC was set up two years ago, um, the first two seasons were going to be held under the um, non-meritocratic rule that if you won your shield, you would be guaranteed a place in Europe. Now, obviously, there was a few shields that were straight away given an uncompetitive advantage when it came to qualifying for Europe. The Scottish and the um, Welsh, the Scottish and Italian and the Welsh Shields straight away had a qualifier for the, the Champions Cup in their shield. And that put a lot of pressure on other good teams who were going to miss out just based on, like, there was nothing much they could do about it, except not finish in, like, because look, we had, we had a situation last season where you had to finish seventh or above because if you finished in the top eight, it didn't matter because I think it was a was Cardiff were outside the top eight, but they had to get a European Champions Cup spot. So if you finished in the top eight and made the playoffs, you weren't getting into the Champions Cup, which again, is not, unless you won the tournament out. That I, I will say it, it, it is it is different, but that was always going to be voted down. That was something that they put in there for the Welsh clubs, I think, for the Scottish and Italians as well, um, to give them something in the first two seasons as a sort of a compensation for agreeing to the tournament. Because obviously, when they were inviting in the South Africans straight away, they're going to be eating somebody's lunch, regardless. So that for the first two seasons was a bit of a compromise. Um, But I think it's better now for what it is, which is top eight gets into the Champions Cup, gets into the playoffs. The shield system is basically you win your shield and it's like a a championship between the teams because last season, I think we saw like, um, you know, in a a couple of of, um, divisions that, you know, it was a bit unfair if you were... Collecting, you know, bonus point wins, and God only knows how many points difference um, by beating the likes of zebra or dragons or whoever. Um, not that monster beat, you know, we didn't beat the dragons and we didn't get a bonus, we get a bonus point on zebra, but you know what I mean. Um, that added to kind of the feeling that the actual interprovincial games didn't matter all that much outside of what they meant for the table itself. Now they have a a separate meaning, which I think is actually better because only points that, you know, in matches that are shield matches count towards your shield positioning which look, it's a nice trophy to shoot for it's like the Interprovincial Championship back again, which I think is a good thing um, and it kind of sets the scene for where we're at which is the defence of the monsters URC title which was won in such dramatic fashion last year down in Cape, down in Cape Town a run to end the season that I, I'm not sure we will see duplicated anytime soon in any tournament, when you look at the relative difficulty of the games that were played, um, from when Munster left Thoman Park, um, in was it was it April, after a brutal loss to Glasgow, um, I've said it before. I was on that. I was on comms on the radio for that, and man, it was grim. People leaving at half time, Munster beating out the gate in the first half. That second half was basically about can we just put a bit of a buff on the scoreline here. That's what it was. And Munster haven't played a competitive game in Tolman Park since then. So we're back in October, first game in what, six months, I think, I think it is in Tolman Park competitively. And um, it's going to be interesting. And I think that, you know, you look at the 13 week long preseason that Munster have had. um, All of the the benefits that gives you from a fitness perspective, from a game understanding perspective. um, Like this year, like, you know, compared to last season, you know, we were building the plane as we were flying. This season, there's a lot more time, a lot more time to build in to, um, and and they've mentioned layering things quite a bit. Dennis Leey spoke about it. Uh, Graham Roundtree spoke about it. Andy Kiriakou spoke about it. What they're doing is they're actually like guys to be sitting in like they they have classes, right? Where they're basically in a meeting where you were like basically teaching concepts that you want the team to understand. That would not have been possible last year because the time wasn't there. There was so much had to be done last season. Um, And this season, they have the time to build in more complex theories And when I'm talking about like concepts, what am I talking about? I'm talking about theories. What am I talking about? It's, if you've ever done any sort of um, like practice in rugby where you're training or whatever else, you basically, you walk through the kind of things you want to do. So like you look at your framework, right? So be it a, say you want to play a 3-2-X or a 3-3-1 in your phase play, right? Like teams have playbooks. They have playbooks where like they they write down or or like they might be in pdf form they might be in printed version only they might be on certain computers where you basically you go in and you look at them so that they don't leak um and and basically you learn the plays you learn what this is the kind of shape we we run these are the kind of plays that we do this is our lineout menu this is our this is our strike play menu um, this is what we want to do in certain situations of, of certain areas of the field this is why we, how we want to look this is what this call means because you'll hear certain on, on ref mics sometimes you'll hear certain teams going tiger, tiger, tiger that's a call to basically tell the player who's about to get the ball what to do and th- that can mean you know a tight carry off nine or a wider carry like but basically that's what that like your, 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 your playbook is basically you learning how The team that you're on plays the game and the better everybody's knowledge of that, the better you usually do. So you maximize your potential. So if you have a really, really good team with a lot of really good players, the better you know your game plan, the more successful you're likely to be. And the longer that you have a game plan there where you're layering certain bits over the top of it. So you might learn, you'll say version one of the game plan in year one. In year two, you're not throwing everything out that you did, but you're not standing still either. You're adding bits and pieces. So you're adding a bit of nuance. You're adding a few new bits here and there. You're maybe expanding on certain bits that maybe were only kind of lightly kind of dealt with and spoken about the last in in the first season. Now you're building on them. That's the kind of stuff that Monster have been doing over the last couple of, of, well, over the summer, basically, where they've had 13 weeks, but they've had guys being, you know, they've had down weeks as well. Because I I think the idea is you don't want to play all your best rugby in July. (laughs) Basically, you want to have enough so that you're finishing the season strong. Last season, one of the key things that Dennis Leamy spoke about when it came to their strength and conditioning was, is that um, they were trying to make sure that they had enough in the tank to finish strong in April, May, June. And that's exactly what happened. Um, uh, You know, it didn't happen in the European Cup, but from a conditioning perspective, that was the best Munster finished the season in a decade or more. Uh, We had all our top guys in the field, more or less. Um, And when you have your top guys in the field, you can play your best rugby. When you're adapting for injuries, as Munster have been for many years, you know, you're not playing your best rugby. You're relying on a little bit of luck or, you know, the other team playing below themselves or whatever. Um, But for Munster... Um, last season was a perfect marriage of the style clicking right when it needed to adaptions we made during the season being the exact ones we needed to make and performers like you know individuals stepping up and showing how good they can be towards the end of the season and it just felt like everything just clarified and came together right at the perfect time and I know a lot of people will talk about how momentum in sports doesn't really exist sometimes I agree with them but when I look at Monsters' end of the season as I, I have done over the last couple of days it just felt like we were never going to lose now I know I had spoilers when I was watching these games back because <laughs> I knew the results obviously but you could just see the confidence that Monsters were playing with and that confidence comes from just belief in what you're doing and like monster's belief i think fluctuated quite a bit during the season if you're ever if you're watching access monster which if you aren't subscribed you should accessmonster.e it's 4 euro a month it's it's a godsend if you want to understand the the behind the scenes as to what the players are actually doing they don't show you tactical stuff they don't review games but they show you what the players are thinking they show you what the coaches are saying to them at halftime And you get a real good insight into like how Munster went from losing so many games at the start of last season, playing objectively poorly to finishing URC champions and a lot of bumps along the way. But this is the kind of thing where we're at. And I I think when you look at the layers that Munster have built over this preseason, we should see a better start to the season this year we know what the player we know we know what is expected of us the players know what they're expected to do the coaching group have they have a structure in place so like we're still in the middle of a rebuild i would say um we won a trophy last season but we're still getting areas of the of of our, of our team shaped up i think going forward Um, I don't think that everything that we wanted to fix and change was done last season. I think that's still a work in progress to a certain extent. But we're in such a better place than what we were at the start of last season. The winning of a trophy takes so much pressure off the organization, off the players. Now they can go into a season without that crippling pressure of, fuck it, how long has it been since we won something? And like, this is something that, that the players actively spoke about because like I think sometimes people have this idea that old players wouldn't be thinking like that or thinking about that stuff they absolutely did like where you don't want to be the guys who are representing Munster and then you never fucking win anything like that's not when anybody dreams about getting involved when you when you signed with Munster as a either a young player from you know from Munster as a, a guy who's moved here from somewhere else in Ireland or as a, a you know a signing coming in from abroad you don't think well <laughs> if I don't win anything here it doesn't matter of course it matters. Do you know when I think of guys like CJ Stander, who was a fucking outstanding player at Munster for many, many years, won nothing here. And then, what, two seasons later, we win a, a URC title. And I remember lo- watching them lift that trophy and I remember thinking of all the guys who got them to that stage. And I know there was there was a lot changed from under Van Horn to, to Roundtree, but from a style perspective, but... You never want to be that group who didn't win anything. And that pressure is off Monster. now. Like it is. That pressure is not there anymore. So heading into this first game of, of a, a, a championship defending season, like the context has changed. If you go back and you listen to the press preview this week, I asked Andy Kiriakou um, about was there any difference in preparing to be champions, you know, in the training, is there anything that he'd noticed? Now, he didn't actually answer the question because <laughs> I don't think I phrased it very well. I should have phrased it like that. But there was certainly like from the people who I've spoke to, they've come in with a swagger. They've come in with renewed belief and that kind of confidence that you can't, you can't fake it. And obviously that doesn't guarantee anything. But it does mean that when Munster look to try and approach this season, we do so knowing that what we do works, what we do produces results against big teams, and that when we click on field, we can beat absolutely anybody in this league, anywhere, home or away. And that's a powerful thing to know, to not just believe it, but to know it. That's something that's powerful and I think that's you know the, the the preseason that they've had some of the young talents who are in this squad who have really shown up this season in the in the preseason and impressed in such a palpable way is um it's great to see and it's the kind of momentum and energy that you want to bring off a championship winning season you want to challenge guys to have fellas who are coming into the academy or who are maybe after their year or two years in the academy and all of a sudden they're putting pressure on incumbents and there's pressure to deliver and there's pressure to perform. This is what we want. New signings coming in and putting pressure on guys there and driving things on. This is what you want to be a team who goes on to, you know, defend a title, ideally, go further in Europe. Absolutely. That is the plan. Um, But at the same time, we've all seen it. We've seen teams who are champion teams who win a league and, and next season everything's just a bit flat the energy isn't the same um, and that's the trap that Munster are going to have to try to avoid here because the Sharks are a serious team and they'll be coming up here with the idea that yeah they've got some new coaches in as well and they're look to, looking to try and do things a little bit differently but that's okay um, they will have nothing to lose here nothing at all to lose and the guys who are left in this team they might not be even that's They might not be Oxen shade. They might not be Bongi Mbonambi, but they're serious players nonetheless. And that's going to be the challenge for Munster here: is to start well and to put this game out of sight relatively early and start this season with real momentum. Last season we started with the opposite of momentum. What would that be? Would that be inertia? I'm, t- I'm trying to think. <laughs> it's this late, <laughs> but you, you you understand what I mean in that we had no momentum and we were constantly trying to kickstart the engine as we were going um, this season with that in our minds we can attack the league and attack the start of the season knowing that where we finish strongly we can start strong as well and I, I suppose this is why you know coming in as champions is so different and it's so different and so and it's so important to recognise as well because when you understand that you're the champions you understand that you are now somebody who's going to be, who, who people want to knock off, right? Because you're not just beating Munster, which is always a thing for, for teams anyway. Now you're the champions as well on top of that. We have to be ready for that. And we have to be ready for that change in perception and that change of status. Because it comes with it where some teams will play you like it's a cup final for them. That's fine. But you have to bring that attitude as well. And it'll be interesting to see how this team react to the pressure that comes with winning. Because um, it's a different type of pressure than the pressure that comes from losing. Now we have to try and get in that champion trail where we have a target on our back. We're the team now, the teams are analysing and, you know, targeting to a certain extent. But the good news is, if you can get through that, all of a sudden you become the team that other teams are skipping, which has its downsides too, but gets you to the place you want to be a little bit quicker so let's have a look at the teams here for this uh, opening urc three round number one game to start with the hollywood bets the sharks <laughs> in the front row I have uh machuno uh, at loose head prop karen van vuren at hooker and Kuni stesen uh, at tighthead tight head prop uh, machuno we saw last year with the sharks I think from a scrummaging perspective, uh, things certainly got easier for us when Ox and Che was off the field and they brought M'Chuno on. But from a physical perspective, he is a very difficult guy to deal with. And looking at the way that um, the Sharks have named their back five, some of the, the different size guys they have in there, I think that he'll be a primary ball carrier for them. Uh, I think I would be surprised if he wasn't. And you look at Ouseys, that's another fella, big ball carrier as well. Um, scrummaging wise, I think both can be got at. Um, but again, I think the scrum is an area where I think we've underperformed relative to the coaching that we have over the last couple of years. So it'll be interesting to see if we can actually improve that area of our game here. Um, in the second row, they have Emil van Heerden and Reniel Hugo. A back row, and this is where it gets very interesting, James Venter Pepsi Boutillese and George uh, Cronje Venter is 5'10 he's 92kg Pepsi Boutillese is a little bit taller but again another very light small forward build player that's two small forwards and you look at uh, George Cronje like he that like that's a guy who is decent line of forward he's very new into the Sharks he comes out of Grey's College um but that's a very light back five for the Sharks. Not really what we associate with them. And you look at who they have on the bench. Um, you have Dan used, Deanne uh, Bleuler, uh, Hanro Jacobs, Vincent, uh, Vincent Shitsuka, uh, Secumbozo Noche. Like, again, there's lots of light players there. small, very mobile. Like, Noche is a guy who gave us a fair bit of trouble last year, actually, if, I th- if I'm remembering, if I'm thinking of the right guy. It was either him or, or Pepsi Budalese who we had awful trouble with last season and um, now again he's not as small as the other guys I'm saying small relatively speaking here but you look at the, how mobile um, you know the likes of Vincent Vincent uh, Shitsuka is on here as well there's lots to like there and like that to me seems that they're looking to try to move away from the game that they were playing last year now that would make sense make, make sense with um, James Plumtree coming in and, and, and making changes are they going in the same sort of radical changes that they that they you know that Munster brought in last season? Maybe. But you look at some of the changes that they have, the guys that they've got to come back in. Like they've signed Vincent Cock. They've got the Oxenchey to come back in. They've got Bungie and Bonambi, obviously, even Ebenets to the Um, they have let go um see a Khaleesi's off to Racing 92. But you look at um what's his name? The Canyon Am. Like even, even here, like they've got Macazzoli and to come back into, but like they've got a seriously talented squad here. And if they're making a change with their structure, two small forwards in their back row with kind of a combo flanker style guy there as well, that to me tells like, they're either going to be going for a heavy off ball game where these guys are going to be covering an awful lot of ground and expected to make a whole lot of yeah, tackles and defensive breakdown entries. Or they're going to try and play counter transition, where these guys are doing an awful lot of movement. There's a lot, of, a lot of movement up and down the field, trying to catch monster on transition, either in both transition attack or transition defence. We we'll have to wait and see how they go, but that in itself is an interesting selection at back five in in, in their back five and half back. They've got Cameron Wright and Kerwin Bosch. Um, and Kerwin Bosch, obviously, we saw him destroying us last year in the uh, European Champions Cup round of sixteen, I think it was. Um, yeah we did not look great in that game he looked really good we need to put him under pressure from a handling perspective same with the likes of Cameron um, Wright pressure their ability on the ball and make sure if they are playing counter transition they were putting a lot of pressure on their handling when they're looking to try to be efficient because Carbon Bosch one thing you could say about him is that he has been a little bit inefficient but it'll depend on what style they're actually playing in the back three they've got Marnus uh, Puttgater uh, Werner Cock and Boyd Chamberlain uh, with Francois Venter and uh, Murray Coster in midfield for them. So again, I haven't seen much of the Sharks. We'll have to wait and see. But again, you look at that back five and you see two small forwards. That to me is interesting. I mean, you look at how the likes of um, Potgieter and uh, Werner Kok, how mobile and physical they are as well. Could they be looking to try and play a counter-transition style game? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, on the bench they have Z uh, Macabela. they have Rohan Jans van Rensburg and Afadeli Fassi uh, round out their bench that to me is a a good squad like that to me is a squad that like certainly has the capacity to win this game when you look at how um, physical we know they can be up front that's it there's new coaches that back five selection says to me that there's a very specific style in place here that would be different from what we saw from them last year so there's an opportunity for Munster to meet what might be a lack of cohesion from them with certainty and clarity in our own game plan. That's going to be hugely important for us to bring it. Our team um, the we named for this is actually really interesting in that there's so many names here that are new, uh, so many guys who are like in the academy. Obviously, that's the, for me, one of the big joys of of, you know, seasons like this where A lot of your internationals are away at the World Cup. um, So you get, there's opportunities there for younger players to step in and to show what they're about. And like, it's such a huge opportunity for them, but it's exciting at the same time to see guys like that getting their, getting their big break. So let's start with the pack first. We've got a front row of Josh Witcherly, Dermot Barron and Stephen Archer. On the bench, you've got Scott Buckley, Kieran Ryan and John Ryan. Like, first, Scott Buckley and Kieran Ryan. Um, I've seen both of these guys playing AIL relatively recently. Scott Buckley had a very handy game um, for UCC against, I think it was BlackRock, um, I think two, a week a week ago or two weeks ago. Um, I thought he was quite good. Now, UCC didn't play great on the day, but his line of throwing was actually quite good. Um, and his work around the field was pretty impressive as well. He is a guy who, if he can click, I think he has the capacity to be a serious player. He's got the frame of the modern hooker where he seems to be really tightly put together. He seems like a powerful ball carrier with a low center of gravity um, but long arms. So again, guys like that, they tend to have a bit more control of the ball from what I've seen when they're, when they're throwing it at the line out. So I've liked what I've seen from Scott Buckley. Um, he, how long he'll get off the bench, I'd say we'll see him from 60 minutes on. Kieran Ryan, um, Again, a good scrummager. He's small, like relatively speaking, but he is like a scrum cube. This is a guy who I think, if he develops along the lines that I think he could, at the very least, is going to be a very aggressive and dangerous scrummager. That's a guy who I'm looking forward to seeing off the bench. But you look at that starting front row Josh Witcherly, he's added on a bit more KG over the summer. That was badly needed. He's building a lot of experience. I think that in the world at the moment where we assume that you're either a test player by 23 years of age, or you're never a test player at all, um, I'm not sure if that fully applies in the front row, um, or even anywhere really, you know, I think that's, we often trap ourselves with that sort of thinking. Um, but when I look at Josh Richardley, he absolutely needs to kick on this season, um, he needs to be fit, but that's a guy who has been building a ton of experience over the last couple of years. He has been to some dark places in the scrum against some very, very big scrummagers. He has stuck in there and come out the other side. Um, At the same time, he's had bad days where where that hasn't happened. He hasn't come out the other side positively. But I think more size, more experience will add to what is around the field a very interesting player. Good handling, really aggressive breakdown entries, good defender, um, my big thing was in my, I just thought he needed a bit more size that looks like it's coming on I don't think it's finished yet but interesting to see how he goes this season Dermot Barron what a player this guy is he has come on so much in the last couple of years Um, like he's added on a bit of size that was that was badly needed but when I look at how he speaks in Access Munster he's got a leader vibe about him he's calm um, he does have that streak of madness that you all hookers have to have I think um but he's got a really balanced game around the field good scrumager a really talented line out thrower and that's always been a strength of his but he's added to it quite a bit um he's got a very very nice throw on him good variety he can hit all of the you know all the ranges got a good tight spiral on him as well um so that's a good strength of his I like his work around the field as well where he seems to have the, the extra bit of size he's added has given him a little bit more punch on the field, which he needed at the, at the offensive breakdown in particular. But he's in preseason, he's been running really good support lines and has been like trail running from the inside barrel of our second three man pod. That's a really complex sentence. <laughs> but look for it in this game where Munster will run through those two pods of three. The ball will head to the second pod of three players. Dear Barron will be on the inside. Munster will break around the outside and when they pass the ball back inside, Dermot Barron will be running a support line there. That's something that he's been doing quite a bit in preseason, and they'll look to try and run that again here. Um, So yeah, great player. Uh, Stephen Archer, (laughs) starting the tight end. You could make an argument and it's an argument that I would really agree with and would buy a pamphlet on. um, That Stephen Archer was one of, like was probably our best performer you could make an argument in the run in um, last season. He scrummaged so well; his work around the field was fantastic. His breakdown output was through the roof. He's playing really well now. Th- does he have long left in this game? I would say not. But his performance levels last year show a guy who understands the game plan and who was actually really good at it. Um, scrummaging wise, I think he's looked really, really good. Um, he's up against a, a tall, loose head. Typically, Stephen Archer does really well against tall, loose heads. Um, So, I would expect stromaging-wise Stephen Archer to have a decent day here from the start. Um, But, yeah, again, when he's in there, you just, it's a position you're not really thinking about that you know what he'll bring. Good breakdown work, way better hands than he'll ever be given credit for. Um, Yeah, very happy with seeing Stephen Archer's name on on, on that team sheet, I must say. In the second row, Eben Adogbo and Finney Wittcherley. Two very interesting players. Eben Adogbo, great start to the season last year picked up a few niggles in the aftermath of his Achilles injury that he had in his first year at the academy now obviously he signed a 1 plus 2 uh, contract where he's got one more year in the academy then he's on to a 2 year senior deal that should give you everything you need to know about Edwin Dogbo. <laughs> that he is incredibly highly rated he's got a great wingspan incredible athlete um, he's 6 foot 6 he is going to be north of 120 kg but he's athletic with it as well and the best thing about him, I think, is his game sense. He understands what he's supposed to do in the field. His breakdown entries, he wins rocks. He gets dominant cleans. He he guards rucks and they're won. And you don't even need to think about him. His hands need a bit of work. Um, his ability to take the ball on the crash needs a bit of work as well. That will come with time. He's still a very, very young player. Um, but he's got the size to be a serious player in this game, in this country, and just needs minutes on the field. And fitting Richardly next to him, there's an interesting one. Uh, for the last four years, I want to say, Finian Witcherly has been on the Munster Rugby official site listed at six foot four, and around was 114 kg. I think it was, or oh, no, 112 kg. And this preseason, he's listed at six foot five, and he's closer to 117 kg now. Um, that to me stacks up more with reality than what. His, his initial height was. And look, there's no difference really between a guy who's six foot four and six foot five. But I will say this, it is easier for a fellow who is six foot five to play international rugby than it is for a fellow who's six foot four. <laughs> it's stupid. It shouldn't be the case, but it is. And like, Finina certainly looked bigger. Um, He had an injury last season that he basically came back in really good shape. And yeah, not every game he played was flawless last year but he was really good in the running, Really physical, carried the ball really, really well. Line-out work looked very sharp. Defensively looked on it as well. Great coverage, really, really fit. The perfect, we'll say, loose head lock style guy, but he, he can scrum it on the tight head side as well. thing about Finney Wittreley is he looks like a, just a guy who has all the basics covered and he's been adding to his rugby engine, it seems. And what I mean by that is Adding exercise, getting as powerful as he can as he can possi- as he possibly can be, getting into the best shape he can possibly be. But over the last couple of years he's learned how to call lineouts. He scrummages on the tight head side. You can make an argument, he can play into the back, he can play in the back row also. Um just a really good technical player. And again, just needs to take an extra step athletically, I would say, to get into the um the test conversation. But he's a guy who's really building his experience and getting a ton of games under his belt and exactly the guy you'd want starting this game. He is kind of the experienced guy now in that, in our second row pairings on the bench. You have Tom Ahern, um, who again is looking great after preseason. He needs a big pre-season he needs a big season, I would say, does Tom Ahern All the talent, all the potential, but just needs to get it on field consistently injuries have been the big thing for him over the last couple of years Um, he's built a bit of momentum and then got a knock built momentum got a knock he started last year really really well Um, had a really good game for me against um, Leinster in the Aviva Stadium dislocated his shoulder really badly (laughs) in one of the last plays of the game clearing out James Ryan completely innocuous Um, but missed pretty much the entire season and that was during a time where we had no fit second rows. So had he been fit and available, he would have hoovered up minutes. Thing is with a guy like him, fellas who are long, like Thomas Ahern, he's a he, massive long wingspan, big long legs, everything about this guy. He's just, he reminds me of Kevin Durant, right? But obviously bigger and more muscular. He is a guy that is an absolute nightmare to throw over in the lineout. He's a banker throw for your own. Um, but the special thing about Thomas O'Hearn that we've seen from under 20s is just how dangerous he is with the ball in hand. He used to be a fullback or a winger, right? So he has got devastating pace. There was a break he made, I think it was during, was it during COVID or before it? Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. I, mean, I, I think it was, it actually would be during COVID because he was in um, Jack Crowley's time in the academy or in with the under 20s um, where somebody chipped over the top for him in the middle of the field and he broke all the way up the field and last pass wasn't there but seeing him cover that ground you're thinking one thing and that's R.G. Snaman and that's the tantalising thing for Munster is that Thomas O'Hearn could be a a, a role duplicate for R.G. Snaman not exactly but close enough that if Munster to lose RG just because you know it's going to be difficult to see how we can keep both himself and Clain in the long term that you have a guy in Thomas O'Hearn who gives you a lot of the same things that's the tantalising thing but he has to stay fit opportunity for him off the bench here as well um, probably to pair with Witcherly I would say but excited to see how a Adogbo and O'Hearn and, and go there because they if they work out that's Munster's second row sort of for a, a number of years. So we'll see how they go. In the back row for Munster, Jack O'Donohue, captains aside, Alex Kendallin and Gavin Coombs. That's a bill that works for us. Gavin Coombs is a half lock power forward. We'll see him involved in the lineup quite a bit. Alex Kendallin is just incredibly powerful, incredibly athletic. Watch him in this game. He has improved from last year. He's more physical, he's more powerful, he will win more collisions. And he's a guy who gives us um, in the, whether he's playing in a wider role or one of the big six in the middle, he will win collisions and he will hurt guys. And like, that's what you want from a guy, uh, like a heavy, like a heavy wing forward. That's kind of what he's been, he's kind of shifting his role into. He's added more lineup work to his game too. So it'll be interesting to see if we can see that in this game. But yeah, massive talent. And with um, Jack O'Donoghue, the captain of the side there as well, I would say he needs a big game. Last time he played at Toma Park um, in a competitive game, he was awful. I want to see more from him but with Jack O'Donoghue. If he hits his markers, you don't have to think about him. He's a guy who will just do his job. He'll take a ton of leno rips if you want to put Gavin Coombs and Kendall in, in midfield. um, On both sides of the ball, uh, O'Donoghue will work that. So again, uh, a guy you wouldn't even think twice about as captain. It's just like, yeah, brilliant. No bother. On to the next one because he covers so much for you. On the bench, though, Brian Gleeson. <laughs> Brian Gleeson. When I tell you that Brian Gleeson has impressed a ton of very important people over the last number of months, um, that would almost do it a disservice, right? He was the player of Ireland's under twenty campaign. He was outstanding. Sam Prendergast got most of the of the praise. Tens Will Hoover off the praise more often than that. Brian Gleeson was outstanding the physicality he plays with the game sense he already has and he's improving Um, just a different type of player a different level of athlete that honestly like <laughs> you look at him you look at how good he can be and remember he's year one academy he's still under 20 this year he's going to make his debut in this game this is how good he is because that rarely happens like Ruon Quinn he got his debut early on in the season last year as well But like we have senior players who could slot in there, you know. But Brian Gleeson has earned it from everything I've heard about his preseason. Outstanding, looking unreal. Everything I've seen of how he's conducted himself as a guy who gets it, gets the game, gets what he's supposed to do, understands the role he has to play. Very excited to see him get minutes here. Um, And the fact that they will throw him in against the South African team as big and physical as they are, shows you how much confidence they have in this guy. Very exciting. In the back three, Shane Daly, Andrew Conway, who returns, plays his first competitive game for Munster in a number, Jeez, it's actually since in a season, is it? I think it is. I think it actually is. With Calvin Nash in the other wing. Uh, Shane Daly will be doing the Mike Haley role here. Um, so he'll be doing less passing than what he normally does but will be expected to cover a little bit more ground and hurt the Sharks on transition when they do kick the ball to us. So Shane Daly can absolutely do that. Um, Conway, outside winger, lockdown defender. Um, I would not expect too much from him in his first game back, um, but to let him build into the game um, because we know there's a top quality player there. And like maybe he's finished as an international. I don't think he thinks he is, but even if he is, you're still an incredibly valuable player there, especially with the retirement of Keith Earls. Um, to be that experienced guy in the back three, to drive maybe the, some of the younger players that we have around the place. To, to I mean, Dave Carney. I think Andrew Conway is a guy, a better player than Dave Kearney. But you look at how valuable Dave Carney was to Leinster in the last couple of years, how important he was to them. Like he was better than any non-Irish qualified signing, I think, that that, that they could have brought in because of the experience that he brought. He still scored tries. He played really good for Leinster to the point where quality-wise, it, it doesn't actually matter that there were better wingers out there for him. He was the perfect system fit for Leinster and brought on a ton of young players that you could put him at fullback if you need be, but you could slot him into right wing and just not think about it. That's the same way with Andrew Conway here, that you can put him in there and know you'll get a decent performance out of him, but he can also guide other fellas around. That's going to be hugely important. Um, In midfield... We have Antoine Freach and Rory Scannell with uh, Alex Nankivel on the bench with Shane McCarthy. Uh, Neil Cronin's on the bench as well. Nankivel just come up from Tasman. We want to get him on field as quickly as possible to try and just get him up to speed with what's required. His natural game is a natural fit for what we want in our 12 jersey. So I think that is, I think we'll be happy enough to just get him into the system and see what he does based on his read of it. He's a very, very smart player. He understands what he, what he does naturally fits that role perfectly. Okay, so there, I would say there's not that much for him to, I mean, there's a few bits of detail here to learn all right, but he will naturally fit what we want there. thing is he's a great character. So he's a, he's a he's got leadership qualities. He's a guy who demands a lot from the fellas around him. He will fit in really well if he comes off the bench here, which I presume he will. Uh, Shane McCarthy, as well as another young fella who's been absolutely blowing the barn doors off during pre-season training. Um, great size, really uh, elusive, but powerful as well and quick. And uh, that's a guy who I just see him scoring a lot of tries for Munster for whatever reason. I saw, like, when I saw him in the Babaz friendly, he got the game. And when young Phillips are coming into year one of the academy, and I remember I've seen him playing a lot for young Munster in the AI as well, like, he stood out at that level, which is always good. But when you look at him against the Barbarians, his game sense was really good. Understanding where to be and his lines that he ran off, Antoine Friche, were very interesting too. Antoine Friche is, by the way, I, I seem to have glossed over him there, one of the most important players in our back line this year, <laughs> without question. Uh, he is the, a fulcrum for us creatively and his uh, link up with Alex Nankivelle is going to be hugely important for us. Um, a halfback as well, Joey Carberry and Ethan Coughlin. Uh, I am going to refer to him as Ethan Cochlin. I know some people will, will call that Colin. Not me. <laughs> I certainly don't <laughs> but when you look at that halfback pairing uh, Cocklin had a few errors against the Barbarians some of his kicking was a bit off uh, some of his handling and his addressing of the ball was poor that has to improve here um, and Joey Carberry actually talked, played quite well against the Barbarians and to a certain extent he needs to play like he's in the shop window um, because right now Jack Crowley with his position in the Irish team is the de facto number one for Munster. Now, will they be openly telling Joey Carberry that? Is it a case that, well, I'm going to compete for that jersey and try to get back into the Ireland team? To an extent, I don't see that happening um, unless there's some mad circumstances play out. But for Joey Carberry, he's he's in his contract year. So it'll be interesting to see one, what Munster have offered him because I imagine if they have made an offer to him or, or if, if they're going to they already have made that offer so for for Carberry he will be looking to try to make himself as valuable as possible and he will do that by performing in these early season games um, at his best I think Joey Carberry is a guy who easily is international standard but I think his confidence over the last couple of years has taken a bit of a battering last season he ended the year really really poorly and you hear good stories about pre-season this year where he's kind of back into the zone he's playing with a lot of confidence again you know that's what you want because I don't want to hear about fellas who are like losing confidence in themselves or whatever else because like that, that fucking sucks you know like I've had that in my own life nothing to do with and, and people you know thousands of people aren't watching me you know performing my job well not back then and they kind of are now but not in the same way but it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things where if he is back and his head is in the right spot, I think he can be a very valuable player this season. And uh, I do think Jack Crowley is the de facto number one for Munster. I think that we'll be renegotiating his contract fairly quickly, even because he, he's, he's not out of contract this year. It's next season, but I think we'll be talking to him to get him onto a longer term deal. Um, So if you're Joey Carberry, what do you do? you start this season really well you hit the ground running here um and just make it easier for yourself if you are going to move somewhere else make it easier by playing well if you're going to stay at Munster make it easier by playing well just play well maybe I should be a coach (laughs) why aren't you playing well um so yeah look it's it look it's a very interesting Munster team I think it can certainly win this game. You look at the quality, you look at the young players that are there, the excitement that's there with that. Um, It's the kind of thing that it shows you that there's pressure coming from below, which is what you want. You want your academy players pushing incumbents and this selection gives those guys such an opportunity Um, and the guys above them have to perform because the implication, the only implication you can take from this is shit, they might actually get selected ahead of me. And that's the important thing, getting that ecosystem right. And I think Graham Roundtree has done a really good job at that. So I'm going to be at this game. I'm going to be in the press box first. Um, if you see me, come up and say hello. Um, if you see me before the game, come up and say hello. And uh, I'll be doing some content from the stadium tomorrow in the press room before the game. So keep an eye on the live stream for that um, before kickoff. And uh, yeah enjoy this game. Uh, I'll be back with a live stream after the game and uh, maybe not Saturday night, but certainly Sunday. Uh, and I will talk to you again very, very soon.